Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, glad to be back. Excited to have my next guest, Matt Scott, founder of Cosmic. Matt, good to see you virtually. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, it's, it's great to be speaking with you again, Dan. Thanks for having me. One of these days, we're going to get uh, together in person. <laughs> so we'll, we'll make it happen. I'm looking forward to that for sure. So I think, you know, t- I, I wanted to have you on the podcast as uh, someone who owns a business uh, you know, leads a team, a virtual team, uh, but works with companies all across the U.S. Uh, but it's always a great place to start. Love you to give a little overview of who you are and uh, your company and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Matt and uh, I'm the co-founder at Cosmic and we're a digital marketing firm that works exclusively with nonprofit organizations to help them kind of navigate technology, uh, build and powerful stories uh, that really help them raise money and awareness to to fund the incredible work that they're doing. And when did you start the agency? I uh, started the agency seven years ago. And here in Portland, you started it? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. We've been here in Portland uh, since the beginning. Um, we do have clients all over the world and uh, across the country, but increasingly we've been working to kind of uh, work with local nonprofits more and more. Um, so that's, that's been actually a shift of ours to be a little bit more geographical. Uh, frankly, I just got tired of jumping on a plane every week, especially right now in a COVID world. I'm glad that we had kind of started to move toward that direction. Absolutely. Well, I love your focus on nonprofits and it is a super niche thing. So is your background, did you work in nonprofits or were you in digital marketing or how, how did you say like, we see this need for nonprofits, uh, they need this help. We just love to get the story there. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I started working in, in kind of digital marketing when I was uh, 14 years old. Um, I worked at an agency in Southern California and I quickly kind of became a media buyer and then ultimately ran their media department, media buying department. And I worked there uh, for a couple of years. And, and then I went to Loyola Marymount University. Um, and that's really, you know, what drew me there was just this this idea of being men and women with and for others. And it was there where I started to kind of begin to make service a part of my regular weekly routine. And um, I majored in business and I, you know, worked at the Center for Service and Action. And I just began to kind of look for opportunities after graduation to blend my experience in business with my kind of passion for, uh, for service. And 
um, you know, one thing kind of led to another and I've worked in the nonprofit space now professionally uh, for, for a little over a decade and, and kind of looked for a way to blend my marketing and technology background with, um, with my nonprofit kind of focus. So that's, that's how it happened. So you started working at agency when you were 14, which I'm pretty sure is illegal, but hey, what? <laughs> but wait, you know, so you, you've been in that world. What I'm curious about, you know, I've worked with a lot of digital marketing agencies uh, in one way or another through, through my career. Uh, the, the first thing, and just when people think maybe a nonprofit, they think of no budget. <laughs> so when you started just as like a business person, when you started this business, what, what was your model and approach to that? Knowing like, hey, a lot of nonprofits have, you know, very tight resources. They're, they're funded by donors. So uh, you know, just tell, tell me about that and that kind of you know, how you started that off. Yeah, uh, our business model has definitely evolved. Um, our ideal customer profile now are nonprofits that, you know, are at least $10 million a year in annual revenue. Our largest clients are a half a billion dollars or more in annual revenue. And they're really ran like businesses. But um, we do still support a lot of smaller nonprofits, uh, particularly at, you know, pro bono rates or reduced costs, um, because we believe that we want to democratize what it is that we're doing for the large scale nonprofits and help some of our local smaller organizations thrive. Um, and technology has been a big driver for how to do that in a cost-effective way. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously, uh, what fuels our business is definitely our larger clients. Right. Um, but there is benefit as well in having diversification. And we're really seeing that in a COVID-19 world. You know, how do you diversify your revenue streams? The, the big ones, if you lose a big agency client, um, it can really cripple an organization. So there is some advantages as well from a financial business perspective in, in diversifying your client base. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit of that. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I mean, we talked, I think a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of nonprofits, you know, what's going, what's tough right now is they have their, their fundraising events. These are in person, several hundred people, some of them thousands of people we can't do that right now. Right. And so I know you've helped companies with that. So what are they doing? Like how, what are you hearing? What are some things you're recommending for them to diversify and, and use digital to, to help with that? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, at, at a nonprofit organization, what you're selling is an emotional response to your content um, because ultimately you're serving some, some community uh, with a specific need. And we have to have an emotional response. And that's why you see these in-person events, you know, right before they raise the paddle, they have kind of a, part a benefactor or beneficiary of the organization come up and share their story or they show a video or something like that. Um, and really, you know, you have to shift that kind of in-person experience and engagement with the brand online. And we've seen that, you know, actually, both before and through COVID-19, um, we've seen that, that donors are thirsty to kind of absorb content that isn't all doom and gloom. Mm. Um, for organizations that are shifting their programming to meet the needs of their, their constituents um, in a COVID-19 environment, they have powerful stories to tell. And they, they need to share those in the same way that they would uh, at an in-person event, create a sense of community, place the supporter as the hero in the story, but articulate that they are in fact meeting the unique needs of their supporters and, and um, 
we're seeing that people are really absorbing a lot of content right now online. Mm. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's, 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 it's interesting because it also is a forcing function away from, from a really expensive way of fundraising, which is in-person events. Um, right. It's taxing on a team and, you know, it has cost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know that I host a lot of events and this is transforming what I do. And so do you think the long-term quote unquote benefits for these nonprofits, you know, they're being, you said it's a forcing function. I'm going through that right now with some stuff I do. It's like I'm forced to, to do some of these things and, and, and transform. Ultimately in the long run, do you think that's going to be really good for nonprofits? Do you feel it's going to be a mix of both or what, what's kind of, what do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I was talking to another friend of mine, a, a local entrepreneur uh, who, who runs an organization called Queen of Hearts, and they do hemp seed and um, hemp hearts and things like that. And she's also the co-founder of a nonprofit that I serve on the board of, Project Koru, out of Hood River, Oregon. And they have this in-person event, Kiteboard for Cancer, that generates about 70% of their annual budget. Wow. Uh, and we were discussing, like, how critical it is to to – adaptability is key right now. And, you know, as a business owner, she was talking about moving from, you know, I'm doing samplings and I'm about to get into new seasons and it's a huge pivotal moment for her company. Um, and now she's moved online. She's doing subscription um, kind of delivery of her, of her product. And I, I was just sharing with her, I feel like there is, there is these parallels between the for-profit and the nonprofit space and the organizations that are adaptable, that are looking ahead, that they're, that are willing to, you know, think through how is it that we are going to survive right now? And then which elements of that survival plan are actually worth carrying forward into the future? So I by no means have a crystal ball over here, but I think that there are elements, there are aspects, you know, be it monthly recurring giving, um, being, be it, you know, engaging your supporters on text message, text messaging engagement is through the roof and most nonprofits are not doing it. And they're not doing it well if they are. So there's elements like that that have to carry forward. Um, will there be a resurgence of in-person events? I think there's always going to be in-person events for nonprofits, but I do think that there, as a leader of an organization, you need to look for opportunities to adapt for this environment. And then you need to evaluate which of those adaptations are worthy of carrying forward into a post COVID-19 world that'll strengthen your business, that will diversify your revenue streams, that will really help you thrive. Yeah, I love that. You said elements of your survival plan. <laughs> That's so true and so what people are going through. And um, what about just the, the uh, I don't wanna call it exhaustion, exhaustion but it kinda is just, I'm getting to the point of doing everything virtually, um, just kinda burn out. And not just from my own work, uh, it's more from consuming content on the other side of, of, you know, I do host some online of sessions and events, and but now I pop open LinkedIn and it's like every single person is doing that. So it's almost like people shifted to that. That's one aspect. Now, that's not different anymore, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, you brought up such an interesting question kind of at the beginning about, you know, wow, that's a very niche kind of thing that your firm does. Um, and, and obviously you, you do as well. Like you're delivering content that's really meaningful to people like myself, other business leaders here in Portland, um, and you, unique challenges that we're facing. And I think that content marketing is 
is an important aspect of any any brand, uh, any service, you know. But people are focused on the wrong things. They want to know how many email subscribers did I grow last month. But in reality, you actually want to deliver content that is uniquely meaningful to your uh, your kind of base at the, on the right channel at the right time, with the right message. And I think that you are seeing like kind of um, everyone's becoming a marketer, a content marketer right. via LinkedIn and otherwise. But you really have to ask yourself, you know, what is, which content is meaningful to my constituents, to my, to my followers, to whatever it is, your customers, and evaluate, you know, qu- quality over quantity. And you actually want a high quality list of, of customers that are engaging your contact. You want to deliver really unique value to them. And if you do that, then they're more likely to, um, to engage with your, with your content. Uh, and it also will drive your business because you'll be able to see what is it that people are hungry for? What, where are you meeting their need? And when you meet someone's need, it always opens up more and more opportunities. Um, as you look to adapt your business. Because such a great point to reinforce. It's almost like getting back to the basics a little bit, right? And instead of this like shotgun blast approach, um, it's getting back to that sniper approach, uh, which has always been my kind of uh, ethos, but it's good to reset a little bit. Uh, you know, some other stuff I really want to talk to you about is, you know, stepping away from just the work you do on a day-to-day basis as someone who owns a business and has employees. Yeah. How's it been for you? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's those moments where that are humbling. You know, I think you asked me before we started recording how I was doing it. I felt like, you know, honestly, I'm doing, I'm, I could be doing better and I could certainly be doing worse. Uh, you know, it weighs, it weighs heavy on everybody on our team. Um, I think so much about the vendors that supply our, you know, we, we partner with a lot of like B Corps and local organizations. Uh, we get our coffee from Nosa Familia Coffee. We partner with Greenbridge Coffee, this organization that's doing incredible work, giving 10% back to the community. Um, you know, I think about I think about our team here, our Cosmic crew, every single day. And uh, you know, we've had to make modifications to our our payroll um, as a as a leader of the team. You know, it's important to kind of articulate that hope is not a plan. We have a plan. This is in fact a uh, there's uncertainty ahead, but this is how we together as a team are going to modify the way that we are going towards our North star. And when I look at our business metrics, um, our pivot from, you know, kind of our typical 2020 growth strategy was to grow another 30% top line revenue this year. Um, and obviously, you know, February kind of 15th, I saw the writing on the wall. We had to make some some, some adjustments um, to our staffing and to our approach as a business. And it was really, really hard. It was painful. Uh, a couple of nights, you know, of losing sleep. Um, that's just the reality of that burden. But then on the flip side, you know, one of our team members has, has several roommates, almost all of which I mean, her and one other roommate are the only ones that still have a job. Mm. And so, you know, that's the other side. We all have to kind of look to like, how can we do what, the best we can from where we are to support and lift up our community? And if we do that, if we focus on not just ourselves, but our whole team and our community and a collective, you know, that is how both it's going to help you get through it. It certainly helps me get through it. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, we're providing jobs for people um, locally 
And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've personally gotten through like the emotional roller coaster that is COVID-19. Totally. That's, that's really good advice. It's good for me to hear too, because my wife constantly reminds me, he's like, hey, let's look at the broader picture and, and look at some, you know, folks that, you know, we, we've known that you know, temporarily laid off or furloughed and it's, uh, it's good to have that perspective. So, and I always like to close with this Portland, you know, running a business here, doing business here. It's, I, I, you know, it's a unique place. How has that been? And I want you to share if you can, you know, some things that are great about running a business here and operating here, but maybe some tough things. I don't know if it's specific to the market or. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I would say, you know, Portland is, is more home to me than anywhere has ever been. You know, I grew up in New England. I lived in Southern California, Portland. Um, you know, come from a family of entrepreneurs. My family owned many restaurants when I was a kid. I was sitting there rolling, hmm. rolling silverware when I was two or three, four years old, making <laughs> probably a more of a mess than help. Um, so it's it's interesting because you know I try to balance that love for service and community with with also trying to run a profitable business. Right. And I think there's elements of Portland and the community in which we operate that make a business like ours thrive. We have a really strong labor pool, especially on the creative side. I mean, everybody has worked, you know, for somebody who works at Nike or for Nike or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so we have an incredible pool of talent. Um, and I think that people are not just focused on themselves. They're focused on, you know, the bigger picture. And that really works for us because we don't offer the same salaries as the bigger agencies, but, you know, we offer unlimited pay time off. We have profit sharing. We have, we treat people with respect. And I think that Portland does too. And so there's an element of that community aspect of, it's so important to our brand and to our culture here at, at Cosmic. Um, but on the flip side, you know, it's also really challenging. Like there's a lot of, 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 of local taxes that are pretty burdensome on the smaller, you know, kind of organizations, um, especially those trying to navigate you know, the local city level and state level and federal level regulation is real. Um, it really does take a toll on our business. It takes us away from, you know, being able to serve our clients better because we do have to do a lot of reporting. Um, we have to register in every single state to raise money for our clients hmm. and that they're operating in. And so you imagine like the level of kind of bureaucracy across the board yeah. And trying to just keep registered here in Portland as a professional fundraiser, as a marketer, um, those are some of my challenges. I mean, you know, labor cost, you know, rent cost, there's things like that. Um, but I think that at the core, the people of Portland, our community, our heart's in the right place. Um, but I will say as a, as a business owner, it is, there are moments where I'm like, man, if I were 15 minutes north of here, yeah. it would be... I would cut a week off of my like recurring bureaucratic tasking every month that tries to get, you know, to operate a business in Portland. Yeah. And I think that's goes with some growing pains of, of just uh, the growth of the city in general, maybe, um, and, and them figuring out as new businesses move here and starting. So, you know, get, get, get give the benefit of doubt to those entities that are <laughs> doing that. But it, for sure, there's some ramifications from that. Well, Matt, just thanks for all the work you do. Uh, I, I think 
you, you know, you and I have some, a lot of mutual uh, professional contacts. They've said great things about your work. So thanks for hopping on and, and sharing. Yeah. Thank you very much for, uh, for, you know, having me here and also for just giving a voice for leaders in the Portland community. I, I enjoy the content that you put out. I think it's, it's really, really helpful. Um, so much of just hearing how other people are going through and navigating uh, the challenges, not just of today, but really business as a whole. And, and uh, really appreciate, appreciate you having me as a part of this. Um, I hope, I hope it's valuable for your listeners. Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. The PDX executive podcast is a production of that cast a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.